Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. I'm one of your hosts, Anya Crittenden, associate editor at The Tracking Board, and unfortunately this week we are down a person again. Maybe one day we will get back to our streak of all three of us being here. So who's with me today? Willoughby Dodds, filmmaker in the D.C. area. That's me. Unfortunately, HT is out of town, although it looks like she's having really fun, a lot of fun at her, like, woodland wedding that she's attending. Yeah, it looks, it looks really, like, ethereal and, like, fun. It looks perfect. I'm like, that's the kind of wedding I would want to have. <laughs> it's all, like, folksy and, like, woodland fairies. And I, think everyone, I, think, I think everyone's wearing a flower crown in her Snapchats. Yeah, like, she definitely has a, There's also a ball pit. Yeah, there's a ball pit. Um, I'm yeah, jealous. But it. not, like, Dashcon ball pit. No. There's people in it, and it looks like they have fun. <laughs> so, we, so we hope that she's having a great time. Yeah, we miss HD again, but uh, granted, we've all been gone at yes. some point. We've been a little busy, but, like, yeah. she's having fun, and today we're going to be having a lot of fun, too, because what are we talking about today, Willoughby? We are talking about Steven Allen Spielberg. I like how to throw the middle name in there. Of course. Um, so Spielberg is one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. It's undeniable, unquestionable. People who say that he's overrated do not understand why he's so good. And we'll talk about why they've been saying that. Yeah. Why they're wrong. <laughs> and why they are very wrong. Um, we'll get into that. So we both love Spielberg so much. Um, however, I hadn't seen a couple of his movies. So when we talked about this episode being an idea, I went back and I finally watched Jaws and I finally rewatched E.T. for the first time in like 15 years. So it's it's been a while since I've seen like... The classic Spielbergs. Um, yeah. So, Anya, what are your top three Spielberg films? It's really hard because he has so many great ones. Um, I think right off the bat, the one that I will always put in my top three is Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Because I think that is a near-perfect film. Um, and then I'll probably throw in Raiders of the Lost Ark. And my last one, it was really hard coming up with the last one. I had so many, like, contending, like, fighting for that spot. Mm-hmm. Um, Close Encounter to the Third Kind almost made it. Oh, okay. Um, Schindler's List I considered for a little while. But ultimately, I think my third one is going to have to be uh, Catch Me If You Can. Oh, okay. A recent with one. With Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks because that movie is so great mm-hmm. and so much fun. Um, I had only seen that so, in the last year. As well. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. yeah, I love that film. So, yeah, I would have to go with Jurassic Park, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Catch Me If You Can. Um, special shout out to Hook, which I won't get into that too much right now, but I will later. We're going to have to have a little bit of a talk about Hook. Mm-hmm. But special shout out to that one. We'll talk about that one. So, what are your top three? Um, right off the bat, I'd have to say a lot. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Um, I love Grail lore, and I love Indiana Jones, and I love Sean Connery, and just all and like a good father son story. So like all all four stuff just combined into being like a great movie. It's not people people usually put Raiders above um, Last Crusade. Um, I do. It's kind of like it's 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 like everyone's Return of the Jedi, but at the same time, Return of the Jedi is my favorite Star Wars movie. So, like, I'm a, I'm a big sucker for, like, endings and threes and whatnot. Interesting. Um, I also, I think Raiders, for me, a big part of it is that Marion. Mm-hmm. That, no, is, I mean, that's a, I mean, don't get me wrong. Raiders of the Lost Ark is an excellent movie. Yeah. Um, and Marion Raverwood is a great character. And, like, their, like, their on-screen chemistry 
is like amazing. She's easily the best of all his, all the female characters. Oh, totally. I mean, one's a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. So Can we go right there. <laughs> um, all right. So, so I got Last Crusade. Last Crusade, um, Jurassic Park. Um, of course. As well. Um, it's got dinosaurs and excellent camera direction. And oh then my God, it's a perfect film. We're definitely going to talk about camera direction and perfect films and whatnot. <laughs> um, and then my third one is Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Ah, uh, yeah. Yep. So I, I love how, I love the message of like music bringing peoples together um, yes. and like contact and like sharing similarities and like, Francois Truffaut is in the movie? Like, I know. Now I, just, now I just want to just be like, do, 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 do. Exactly. Like, so, like, that is, I remember I took a class in college on film scores. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we did Close Encounters. Right. Like, I feel like that and, like, whole score, that whole class could just be about John Williams. Ugh, but, like, that one especially. Just because, like, the non-diegetic music plus the diegetic music and how it blends and works together and is, like, a central part of the plot and i'm just like oh god it's so brilliant yeah okay yeah so what why do we like spielberg people always talk about oh spielberg's overrated oh he's just you know so let's get into that real quick because that is a train of thought that i think has only come out recently Mm -hmm. because i feel like people think of his career very much is as like chapters yeah like there are definite divides and i feel like that's come out recently with some of his more recent work that has been maybe a little shakier mm-hmm. or maybe just not as well received, um, you know, people always kind of cite the terminals as kind of being like, meh, it's okay. I've seen it. Um, I like it. I haven't seen it since I saw it in theaters, but like, I liked it when I saw it. Yeah, it's cute. And then you kind of, you get into like, you know, War of the Worlds was good, Munich was well received, and you get into Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which a lot of people hated. We, Willoughby and I are of the mindset that Queen's Soul is not great. It's not great. However, it's not the worst Indiana Jones film. No. Uh, the one that is the worst, and everyone can fight us on this, but I think they'll agree, is that Temple of Doom is the worst movie. I don't know. I know I know a lot of people who love Temple of Doom. That's so weird. I, mean, I know. I don't get it, because Temple of Doom is a terrible film. It just seems like I can't get past the racism. I just can't. And I can't you know, get the past... The racism, the, like, the pacing is weird. And... It just doesn't uh, feel who's the, like an Indiana Jones film. Who's the female character? Willie? Is that her first name? I forget her name. And I just... I mean, I, I know she became... The actress is, became Steven Spielberg's wife after that film, but I just not... I just remember not liking her, because I feel like she just was screaming too much, and, like, too much of, like, too whiny, I think. I don't, I don't. Yeah, I was. It was a weird film. The plot was strange. It just his heart came out at one point and then went back yeah. in. Like there was a lot going on in that movie. And Short Round is a lot of of dense racism packed in there. Yeah, and like Crystal Skull is not like a good film. Oh no, but it has some moments that I actually really enjoy. Yeah, like I like the Return of Marion Ravenwood. Um, I also don't hate Shia LaBeouf in that movie. Controversial opinion. The I think he's fine. I, yeah, I, I mean, I think he's what he's supposed to be, which is, like, this dumb greaser kid. And also, like, I like when Indiana Jones immediately realizes that he's, his, like, his father, and he start he starts immediately becoming his own father. 
with like yes. protecting him and like telling him what not to do and whatnot. Also, like, what a great scene when Indy falls into the uh, quicksand and mm-hmm. like Mutt throws him the snake, yeah. to pull him out, and he's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> It's like, I don't know. And like, Kate Blanchett's pretty terrible, which is surprising because she's Kate Blanchett and she's perfect. But like, yeah, I, I feel like they just, accent. they had to substitute communism, they had to substitute Nazis for communism, which makes sense because it was the 50s. It's, yeah, but it's a really the, TV <laughs> film. Yeah. But like, and I feel like there are some more, there are moments that I like in it more than Temple of Doom. Yeah. And like, I can get behind aliens or like whatever interdimensional creatures they were. Um, just because like, I don't know, I feel like. You you can't say you can't say well the the aliens part was unbelievable when like the lost ark whatever the temple of doom artifacts were and the holy grail like you can't you can't equate them as 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 one being more realistic than the other because they're all fantasy stuff exactly like it's all it's all been a kind of high fantasy adventure stuff since the beginning so yeah and and like i don't know i feel like harrison ford has always kind of been grumpy and he, well by the time he gets to be indie and indie four he's just as grumpy as he's always been but now he works it works because he's old yeah so so but regardless of our opinions crystal skull's not well received mm-hmm. so then you have that and then you have tintin which was pretty good warhorse people thought was Okay. I know. I know a lot of people said about Warhorse. They were like, "It's okay. It's very like typical Spielberg, whatever." Well, see, my thing about my thing about Warhorse, I, I didn't think it was typical. I mean, it's definitely a Spielberg, but it's not like quote unquote typical Spielberg because it's 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 probably the most like Oscar bait type movie mm-hmm. of his entire from what I've seen of his entire career. Um, I definitely thought like it was way too like emotionally manipulative mm-hmm. and i thought that i know it's based on play and i know that the play is like is like that is like emotional but like to me i just felt like he was gunning for oscar too hard in that movie and that's just my opinion i just i just yeah and that's what I came a lot of people say I, I came out of that theater thinking like this is gonna get nominated for an oscar and it's not gonna win but it, people are gonna be like well there's the steven spielberg oscar movie of the yeah. year well, and then right after that, he had Lincoln and Bridge of Spies, both mm-hmm. of which were also Oscar contenders. I think Lincoln is a good movie. I like Lincoln. I a don't lot. think it's spectacular. I think Daniel Day Lewis is fantastic. Yeah, I think it. I think um, a lot of that movie rides on Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, I thought Bridge of Spies was great. Mm-hmm. I really loved Bridge of Spies. I liked it a, a lot. lot. I thought it was. I, th- um, I thought it was a good movie. I thought it was a solid, yeah. well-made film. Yeah, and then the BFG as we know, got mixed reviews, didn't make, like, any money. I haven't seen it. Um, neither have I. And it was but his so, like, first Disney film, which was interesting. Yeah. So you see, I mean, he produced, he's produced Roger Rabbit. Yeah, he's produced a lot of, like, stuff. Um, yeah. But I think, like... But directing. Like, directing, he's usually done Universal or his own Amblin or Paramount or, you know, someone else. But, like, it, he's never done Disney before, which was interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised but, Hook wasn't Disney. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll get there. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you you see you definitely see this kind of like shift in his career and also the public's perception of him. Yeah, if- some people think he's just past his prime, and he's just not making the same quality films as he used to make. And I can like I can see an evolution in his career. I can see differences from his earlier films to his films now. But to say that he's overrated or that he's past his prime. I honestly cannot wrap my head around that. No. 
because even though like I didn't think Bridge of Spies was like his best movie, I definitely like came away with that with like a sense of like that was like well made. Like he's 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 not phoning it in with with his later movies, even though he, even though they're they're more, much more like. I mean, you could definitely kind of pick apart Spielberg's career chapter by chapter with like the seventies and eighties being his like blockbuster stage, and then his late 80s into 90s being his like historical film center and then his 2000s kind of being like sci-fi um although he's always kind of done sci-fi but like he did a string of sci-fi movies in the 2000s and then in like the late 2000s to now he's been doing kind of quote-unquote oscar movies because like they've all come out around november or october and they're like they're not really like they're not general public movies i mean i feel like lincoln was probably his most general public movie because it's it's about a president of the United States. But I think yeah. that War Horse and Bridge of Spies are so niche with like their, their historical setting that not everyone would see that movie. I don't know. I feel like... I don't know if I would... I would not call them niche. No? I call them... I think they're very... Middle America. Like, I think they are very palatable. Mm-hmm. And I think... I think the general public will go to see them. I, you know, I would consider more niche, more Oscar films, like Birdman or The Revenant. Oh, that's very true. I, like, Spielberg still, to me, feels very much, like, appealing to the common folk. I guess I meant to, I guess, instead of niche, I should have said, like, like his, it's, like, steeped in, in history. Yeah. Um, and it, his movies almost are never set in, like, nowadays, they're almost never really set in, like, present day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, I mean, like, obviously, like, E.T. was, and Jaws was, and, like, a lot of his movies have been, but I feel like in the past 10 years, he's been doing a lot of historical films, which is not bad, but I feel yeah. like people people have now got this perception that he's only doing the Oscar picture. Yeah. Um, but, I mean... But he's just that good there. That, yeah. He's just that good. Yeah. Like, of course, he he's gotta get master. nominated. Yeah. He's a master of the craft, and... To hear people say that he's overrated when I'm like, you, you will not make a film as good as Spielberg. Like, <laughs> like I don't know, I don't know, like what, what what joy is there to be like, I'm gonna tear down this great man who has like contributed to Hollywood more than a lot of other people have. Is jealousy? It's total yeah, jealousy and total like he's incredible. It's just the whole fact that people don't want people don't want genuinely good people. To be, like, successful. Yeah. And I feel like that's Spielberg. He is. He is. And it's, like, it's one of those things where it's, like, even some of Spielberg's worst films are better than some people's best films. That's true. Because that's how good he is. He just, he knows how to work a camera and he knows how to set up shots. And I'm just, like, uh, like, I think of that scene in Close Encounters with the little boy when he's at home, when the aliens come down and, like all the little things that happen in the house mm-hmm. and like that bright orange light. I'm just like, Oh, that scene, that whole scene is just gorgeous. And that's the thing is Steven Spielberg knows how to tell stories visually. Mm-hmm. Um, his, his shot composition ha- is like superb. Every, every, every shot means something on one level to another, the way he deals with the background, mid ground and the foreground at the same time is like unquestionable. Um, it, I saw Jaws, and there's the one scene where 
they get on like the like raft that pull takes a car from one ro- one side of the river to the other, mm-hmm. and it's like a stable shot on the. It's like the camera is mounted onto the raft, so the camera doesn't move, but people do, and you get like there's like three different scenes taking place at 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 the same time, and you get the camera focuses on whichever scene is happening closest to the camera at the time. So people move around, you get different bits of the conversation, you get, you get, you know, you get Brody and then you get, not Brody, uh, um, you get Martin, that's his name. Um, and then you get the, the, the mayor like talking at, in the, in the front and they're like, mm, and yeah. the mayor's like, why don't you just, why don't we leave the, the, the beach open? And then the, the police chief is like, that's not a good idea, but. Okay, yeah. um, and so and then, like that's a that's a scene that pointed out to me. Just like every scene in in ET is like magnificently lit, and or not like or yes, or lack thereof of light because um, ET most like that in Close Encounters they both deal with like aliens and shadows and the the light that emanates from the sky and otherworldly like light that it's just there's a lot of silhouettes going on in E.T., and I love that, because it's kind of like you don't really know what's happening, but you can kind of see, you can kind of yeah. make out what's happening. And then, just like everything in Jurassic Park, like, uh, just the... What, what, what he's great at is character reaction shots. Yes. And they're reacting to something that either may be done in post, or they have on set, and they just haven't shown it yet. He's great at the reveal. I think that that's a that's a, a special thing that Spielberg is excellent at is revealing something to the audience that the characters already know. Like yes. w- when we when Elliot meets ET, he has seen ET in full for at least five to ten minutes before we've seen ET at all. Like yeah. there's that scene where he's kind of like he's leading ET into his room from from the uh, the little shed that they have out in the backyard, and you don't you you just see glimpses of ET's hands or feet. Or the, his silhouette, and then you finally see ET like in his room. And, that scared me as a kid. <laughs> and I just, I just thought that I just, you know, that kind of hit me that Spielberg just knows how to how to tell something, tell a story visually, like no oh, other, yeah. per- no other director can do that. Yeah, and like you think, I mean, visuals are also really strong in Schindler's List, mm-hmm. um, especially color. Which, yeah, the the lack of color being black and white, and then of course like the little girl's red coat. Yeah. Um, and just the way that he uses, I think the way that he shoots the camp is really powerful in Schindler's List. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with Ray Fiennes' character and the way he kind of stalks around. That film is very, it's intense. And it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Just that's what, I think that's the thing, is his movies are beautiful. Yeah, like no matter the subject matter, he always knows how to frame a shot incredibly well mm-hmm. and light it inc- like no matter what cinematography he, he cinematographer he's hired for the film um like there's definitely a difference between his later films and his and his earlier films but that's because of um film technique and also yeah. he switched to digital i think um and that he's switched uh cinematographers uh, I think the last three films, three or four um, films by Spielberg, that he's all had the same cinematographer. Forget the name. I think you can see it. Um, yes. And they they all kind of look, ha- they all have the same look and feel. 
yeah. well not feel but like they all have the same kind of like they're all lit very similarly um but you can also tell that in his earlier works too that jaws between jaws and the indiana jones movies there's definitely like a through line of the way he films something like he's definitely evolved as a director um and i think that he's still he's like that's the thing is he's not no i mean he is an auteur but he is specifically a director like what he is best at i know he's written a couple different of his films like what he is perfect at is directing actors the editors the cinematographers cameraman he is like um he's he is the definition of a master filmmaker yeah and i think this thing is also like despite what people say like i see his recent films and like i feel like he hasn't lost his own charm with movie making i feel like he still very much is passionate about it and believes in it and it really comes across in his films Mm -hmm. i think specifically in lincoln i think it's the most like, of, of his most three recent films, it's definitely my favorite. I think I said that earlier. But um, he, it seems like the characters are having fun. Or, like, the, at least the actors are having fun. Like, playing these these historical characters that... Yeah. Like, and, like, the whole, like there's that scene with James Spader and his other two, like, helpers, like, running around oh, trying, to trying to get signatures. Yeah. they're trying to get votes. And he's running around. And it, like... The, it's just like so much is happening but like the whole scene keeps you like you understand like they're trying like this is what what it was like to get votes back in the day back in the civil war back in the 1800s um yeah and then and then you've got the powerhouse of daniel day lewis combined with the direction of steven spielberg it's just like that's there's too much good happening you know see that's interesting i out of his kind of most recent films I actually might, I might have to give the edge to Bridge of Spies. Mm-hmm. I think I might have liked that one more than Lincoln. Maybe I, I think maybe maybe to me it was just I, I thought Bridge of Spies was good, but I think it was a little bit too slow for my own pace. Um, and my, okay, and I think that Lincoln for for it being about the eighteen hundreds, I thought it was kind of fast paced for what it is like yeah i thought there was a lot a lot a lot happens in that movie and i feel yeah. like in bridge of spies it's kind of the reverse where not a not a lot is happening on the surface level there's a lot of deeper like you know the, it's i mean it's a spy movie so like there's a lot of like a lot of back and forth between russia and u.s and a lot of like you know reading people and i feel like in lincoln that's not really about reading people but it's about being emotion it's about the emotional emotion of the moment yeah yeah yeah, I just I was very <laughs> compelled by Bridge of Spies. Mm-hmm. I mean that's that's totally like, it's totally cool. Um, I um, remember not loving the end to Lincoln either. You mean how they did it? How they how they didn't show him being shot, or just how they ended the film? I think it, I think it went on too long. Oh okay. Like you, th- you think maybe we didn't actually have to have that moment? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we all know. Because I remember watching it, there's that scene, I want to say it's like when Lincoln, like, walking up the stairs to the theater. Yeah, yeah. Or, no, or he's something. Le- he's and I the was White like, House. oh, that's a perfect ending shot. And then it kept yeah. going. And I was like. What, what happened was that, I remember that. Um, he was getting his white gloves ready for the play. And he was talking with one of his, one of the White House staff. Um, and he was walking down the the white house like one one of the halls in the white house and it and i thought that i think 
I agree with you. I think that was when I thought that the movie was going to end. And then it cut to, like, the play. Or the, the, his son watching the play. Yeah, and I was like, we did not need that. Because we all know yeah. what happened to Lincoln. And it's it, not a secret. I think that's... that. It was a little bit... I think... I agree. I think that was a little a little much. But I think overall, I like the movie. Yeah. I, I would have to give the, the, the edge to, to Lincoln. But I think... Yeah. I've also seen Lincoln more times. I think I need to see Bridges Spies again. Okay. Um, but I liked it when I saw it. Yeah. Um, and Mark Rylance is so good in British Spies. Yeah, he was great. He's um, so good. And let's let's talk about the actors that Steven Spielberg has worked with, because he kind of picks an actor to work with for a couple of different movies at a time. Or, like, at mm-hmm. least, like, over the course of his career, he's worked with, like, I'd, I'd say, like, four or five main, like, male actors. Um, Tom Hanks, obviously. Tom Hanks, obviously. Um, you've got Harrison Ford with the, with the indie movies. We've got, now we've got Mark Rylance. He's gonna, mm-hmm. he, he was in Bridges Spies. He's in the BFG. He's going to be in Ready for Player for One. And he's uh, going to be in the kidnapping one. of Edgardo Montero. Oh, I didn't know that. But yeah, there yeah. you go. So he's kind of like found, he kind of finds his like, quote unquote, muse to he's work with. He's worked with, with uh, Tom Hanks a couple times. Mm-hmm. He's worked with Tom Hanks. He's worked with, has, has he, Tom Cruise. He's worked with him on. Oh, I already, I meant to say Tom Cruise. We already said Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah. So. Tom Cruise. He's worked with Tom Cruise. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Several times. He's worked with Tom, Tom Cruise Hanks a couple times. And Tom Cruise a couple times. He's worked with <laughs> um, Leonardo DiCaprio only in Catch Me If You Can. I or, believe so, yes. Yeah, but if, um, and that was kind of like in his, in the 2000s where he was working with Tom Cruise and Tom Hanks a lot, too. Um, and I think, I think he's, he, those are kind of like his main four or five guys that he's mm-hmm. kind of had, um, he's worked with a lot. Um, and I think that they all bring something, like, they like he always casts everybody correctly, I think. I think yeah. he's, he's great at finding the person that they need for the movie and then bringing out the, their best performance. Like, you know, there's, especially the kids in, in his films. Yeah. I think he's, he's... He's pretty good with casting kids. Of course, yeah, of course. And his, like, just the... You, Kids in film, stereotypically, and most often than not, are kind of, like, annoying. Mm-hmm. And they're hard to cast and hard to make likable. Yeah, and you look at a character like Drew Barrymore's character in E.T., and you think that she's just kind of be, like, like a whiny girl. who Like, a whiny little, like, like toddler. Little sister, yeah. Little sister, and she's not. She's the most, like, fun of the entire, like, of all three kids. I think Elliot's the one that's the most incredible in that movie. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I think his acting is, is very, it is like one of the best. Um, yeah. Elliot is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then in other, other, uh, he's got, I know some people don't like the kids in Jurassic Park, but I like them. I've grown to like them. Yeah. I've, at, at more times I've seen Jurassic Park, I like the kids more and more. Yeah. And I think, I think that, they act like kids. I think it's just me being Alan Grant. Yeah. And, like, that's a big, that's, like, a huge part of that movie is, like, coming to terms with, like, kids as, like, a being, as existing. I love Alan Grant. I know, like, everyone, like, everyone loves Malcolm, and I get it. Yeah. Jeff Goldblum, and Malcolm's great. I get it. But Alan Grant is wonderful. (laughs) I love Sam Neill in that movie. He's great. And, like, he has such a great character arc from, like, scaring that kid in the beginning of the movie to, like, at the end when he's on the helicopter riding off. And he's, like, got the kids, like, in his arms. Yeah. So, and his films always have great characters. 
Yeah. Great. Great. I mean, he just knows how to, not only how to, like, I think the thing is, like, he, how much writing has he done? I'm not entirely sure. I know he co-wrote Jurassic Park. Hold on, I'm looking at his IMDb right now. Mm-hmm. Look at his writing credits. Um, he, oh, here we go, writer. Um, he's done a lot of, like, stories, like. Like, story by. Yeah, like, the Goonies story, Poltergeist screenplay and story, uh, Close Encounters written by, and that's kind of it. Oh, I thought Jurassic Park. Mm-mm. No. So he hasn't done much writing, and, like, you can kind of see that, like, I think the thing with Steven Spielberg is that, like, he's good at telling stories, but he's good at telling them visually. Yeah, that's that's what I, that's what I... Yeah, he has, like, the visual eye, and he knows yeah. how to, like, compose a, a story on screen. Yeah. Um, pair him with a good screenwriter, and you have magic. Exactly. And then you get a great actor, or actress, or, or both... And, like, a great cast. And, he, like, his movies are always well made. I think that's, yeah. like, bar none, he's, he's always got an incredible an incredible production behind him. Yeah, exactly. But I need to, I, I gotta go to Hook. Yeah, I was, gonna fig- I was figuring that that would lead into Hook. Well, we've been talking so much about how wonderful he is and what a great director he is. And he is. He is incredible. Mm-hmm. But everyone's um, human. But not every not every film is perfect. Some people, you know, some people really don't like the terminal. Uh, both Crystal Skull and Temple of Doom have their critics. Yep. War Horse. Um, I'm a big critic of War Horse. Yeah, there you see. And then there's Hook, which a lot of people consider to be Spielberg's worst film. Uh, Spielberg himself does not like it, and it's. It was a bit hard for me to swallow when I first heard about all this, uh, because Hook is like my generation's Goonies. I don't love Goonies. I think it's because I didn't grow up on it. It doesn't really have a big charm to me. I've never seen it. Um, yeah, it's fine. Hook is similar in that, in like the whole adventure spirit, things like that. And anyone who's like not, like around a specific, like, millennial age doesn't really get the love for Hook. Mm-hmm. But if you're around our age and you grew up on Hook, you love it with all your heart. So I, haven't see, I didn't see it when I when I was a kid. I, I saw it when Robin Williams passed away because I was re-watching movies of his and I, and I noticed Hook was on Netflix and I was like, I might as well watch it. So I watched it. I thought it was okay. Like, I kind of I thought it was a little, a little too much going on, but, like, I so, didn't think it was yeah. bad. Hook, um, when I grew up and I started, you know, learning how to, like, watch films critically and stuff, I saw Hook again. And I get it. It is very bloated. Its pacing is all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how I feel about Julia Roberts as Tink. Yeah. Um, Robin Williams and Dustin Hoffman, I think, are great. Mm-hmm. And I think the Lost Boys are great. Um, You've got Dante Basco. Yes. And you have, oh, who played Smee? Um, oh, no, Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins. Super um, Mario himself. Yeah. I, <laughs> like, you know, I think I think all the Lost Boys are really great. I don't, these are some of the, uh, Peter's kids are some of the more questionable kid casting, I think, from Spielberg. Um, they're okay. 
Mm-hmm. So, like, there are, like, this film is not great. There are a lot of moments that just kind of fall flat, um, and it's, it is kind of messy. But I don't know if it's because I grew up on it or because I just have this kind of sense of adventure in me, but, like, I will still watch it, and there will still be moments, like, the music will swell. It's a great score from John Williams. The music will swell, and I'll just feel excited, and I'll feel happy. Mm-hmm. And I just, like, I want to see Peter become a hero and save the day, and... I think the other thing is that, like, I saw this movie for the first time when I was, like, a little girl, and my dad showed it to me, and it became a really, like, special film between him and I, mm-hmm. and, you know, we would always, like, say Rufio to each other, be like, Rufio, Rufio, and, like, he'd always, <laughs> there's that scene on the pirate ship in the beginning with the boo box. <laughs> my dad would always scare me and be like, I'm gonna put you in the boo box. <laughs> and, like, the scene where they're having the food fight... And so, like, there are a lot of moments in that movie that just remind me of my childhood. Mm-hmm. And I think, and... I think your hook is my Space Jam. Okay, yeah. So, like, because I, I think that Space Jam is not a well-made movie, but it's yeah. really a lot of fun and, like, mm-hmm. really special to a lot of, a lot of millennials. Yes, for um, sure. So, I, I saw that once at E Street Cinema in D.C. at midnight with a lot of drunk folk. That was that was an experience. Nice. <laughs> it also um, we realized that we could probably recreate like the backgrounds in Space Jam, like with green screen and whatnot, like with our with our own like cameras nowadays. Amazing. <laughs> and now we have Justin Lin directing a sequel. Is he directing Space Jam too? Yeah. That's great. I know. I mean, I knew there was a Space Jam two coming out, um, and I knew it was going to be LeBron James. So that's crazy. Yeah. No, it's going to um, be great. But yeah, back to Spielberg. Um, um, but yeah, so no, so I just, I just, I wanted to just take a moment to talk about Hook. Um, I get the criticisms against it. I can't disagree with any of them. Mm-hmm. But it's still a really special film to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone has that, that film or those films exactly. in their lives where critically and a lot of, like a majority of people will be like, no, it's not good. And then you're like, no, I like it. So it's fine. Yeah. So. Um. But yeah, so, you know, so Spielberg is not perfect. That being said, I don't think that just because he's had some missteps in his career that you can discount anything he's done because he is incredible. He's won three Oscars. Mm-hmm. He's, not been, is, he's been nominated a bunch. Bunch, but he's only won three, which is kind of... And he's only actually won... Um... Let's see, he won Best Saving. Director for Saving Private Ryan, mm-hmm. which that was one of those weird years where director and picture did not go to the same film. But of course, we all know how I feel about that year. Yes. <laughs> Shakespeare in Love was the worthier film. Oops. <laughs> you had to know I'd bring it up. I know. If we were going to talk about Saving Private Ryan, we were also going to talk about Shakespeare in Love. <laughs> because that movie... Have you seen both? I've seen both. Okay. I like both. Are you on the Saving Private Ryan side? I need to watch them again. Okay. Because <laughs> I wasn't, when I watched them, I watched them at wildly different times. Like, I never, I didn't sit down and be like, I'm going to watch the 97 Oscars. Or I'm going to watch the 98 Oscars. Like, I just watched them and I watched them. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't compare the two ever. So. Yeah. I think it's like Saving Private Ryan, I think, is a film that's worthy of being best picture. Mm-hmm. Um, but not in the but... same year as Shakespeare in Love. But I think they're both worthy of being best picture. But when they were pit, pit, like pit against one another, 
and you like had to choose, I choose Shakespeare in Love. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in 94, he won both Best Picture and Best Director for Schindler's List. And in 80s, no, wait. Well, 87, he won a like memorial award thing. But so he only won three Oscars, two directing, one picture. Mm-hmm. And the last time was 94, which means it's been well over two decades yeah. since he's won an Oscar. But I know that, he, I mean, since, since then, he's also been nominated like a lot of different times for Oscars, but he's just never won. Oh, yeah. And he was, I mean, he was nominated this year for Best Picture with Bridge of Spies. Yeah. And, and I know that Lin- um, with D- Lincoln. Daniel Day-Lewis won Best yes. Actor for Lincoln, but Steven Spielberg himself did not win. Yes. So he's been nominated several times, but he's only won three times. Um, do you do you think he should have more Oscars under his belt? I think he should. I mean, I feel like he's deserving of more Oscars. Um, at the same time, like, who's I'm I'm no one to say that this movie should win an Oscar or this one shouldn't. Um, but I think that, I mean, I think that his caliber, it, like, deserves more recognition from the Academy. Yeah. yeah. And it's not like, I don't think, like, Hollywood is kind of, un, like, underappreciating him. I, th- I mean, I think it's, I think it's pretty well agreed upon, like, what he's contributed to Hollywood and filmmaking and, like, what kind of great director he is. Yeah. Um. But... I would say there are some other films of his that probably deserved a bit more. I think E.T. definitely deserved yeah. more. Yeah, it was nominated for Best Picture and Best Director, but lost. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what won that year. I'll look it up. And then you're going to be like, oh, never mind. Um, oh, Gandhi won Best Picture. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, and then Director was Richard Attenborough for Gandhi. Mm-hmm. So. So. I mean, sometimes just the more deserving movie... I've never seen Gandhi, but sometimes it, sometimes it happens. Yeah, and I'm, I, I've actually never seen Gandhi either. I think it's incredible. Um, or, I'm sure it's incredible. <laughs> um, but I think... I think sometimes the Oscars have a problem with... Um, voting complacently based on like a film's kind of historical value yeah or just by being an inspiring story this is part of why i like that shakespeare and love one is because you would expect them to go with like the heart-wrenching war story right it's very oscar baby and i'm glad they went with like the lighter but equally smart and talented film of Shakespeare in Love. It's kind of like when the artist won for Best Picture. Which, by the way, it completely deserved. I was, I'm a huge fan of the artist, so yeah, I was... No, me too. I very much liked it. But that was a year where there was a lot of, um, a lot of films. Um, it was one of the first years they had done... No, it had a couple, been a couple years since they started doing, like, the 10 Oscar pictures. But... What was it up against? Um, The, the Descendants, Tree of Life, um... Neither of which were... Great. I like The Descendants, but it wasn't Oscar Best Picture worthy. I mean, it was up against a lot of those those films this year, that year, um, and I just remember that. Yeah. 
I'm looking this up now too because I have to. Mm-hmm. It was up against Tree of Life Descendants, extremely loud and incredibly close, which is a terrible film. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do not like that film. I didn't see it. Which yeah. is not an Oscar worthy film. Hugo, which is great. Okay, Hugo is great. That's why. But I still like the artist more. Yeah. Um, Midnight in Paris, which mm-hmm. is one of the few Woody Allen films I genuinely really like. I like it too. Uh, Moneyball and Warhorse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. Warhorse. So I think the worthiest film won that year. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing with the artist, though, like as like lighthearted as it is, it is also a film about Hollywood. True, and Hollywood and loves Hollywood And it does have like films. the whole like black and white silent thing going for it. Mm-hmm. But you, I mean, I think the thing is that like, but the it wasn't. Oscars, it wasn't such a dark. It wasn't like a an emotional roller coaster of a film that yeah. a lot of, and it wasn't like even this historical films that have been nominated for like like the Imitation Game or the Theory of Everything in the most recently, like those are like heavy hitters when mm-hmm. it comes to like emotional impact of the twentieth century. And I feel like the artist was very, even though it had a lot to say, it was very light on its feet. So, yeah, so to speak. Well, I think that's the problem with the Oscar sometimes. That like it's interesting. Actually, the past few years I've actually really liked. What's one best picture? I was obviously, I was rooting for Spotlight. I was rooting for Birdman last year. Um, I really love Argo. And I was rooting for that, The Artist. Mm-hmm. So, like, actually a lot of my picks have been winning best picture. But, like, I think the Oscars still have a problem with not, you know, I feel like sometimes, I don't know if they see Spielberg as, like, still just, like, a blockbuster director. Despite how much respect he has. Yeah, and despite that he hasn't really done a blockbuster, per se, since Indiana Jones. But I feel like they still see them. Yeah. Like, I feel like Lincoln and Warhorse are, like, they're not blockbusters and that kind of, like, adventure, lots of action, but, like, they're still blockbusters in the sense of, like, how, like, big and, like, what a grand scale they are. Yeah. And I think they still kind of see him as that, and I wonder if that's something that's kind of working against him. Um, I have the same problem, by the way, with animation, and I think it's a problem that the Academy does the best animated feature and says like, okay, you have your own category, so we will rarely ever nominate you for best picture. Yeah. Which I think is a big problem. Like Inside Out should have been nominated for best picture. Definitely. The problem that it was. And like, that's the thing is like, I think the Academy gets complacent with a lot of things and they don't, this has now turned into an Oscar discussion apparently. I mean, it's Steven Spielberg and Oscar, so they're kind of almost intertwined. Exactly. And I just think they get complacent about certain things and I think they have gotten complacent about Spielberg. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm like, just wondering how, like, a movie, like, like I don't think the BFG is going to make Oscar. Hit. Oh, no, of course not. Maybe for, an, maybe for like, animated, not animated, but, like, um, like the computer, the technical side. Because yeah. Mark Rylance as a giant, that's a pretty huge feat to undertask. Yeah, and I'm not saying every Spielberg film deserves Oscars and everything, but I think, I think sometimes the Academy and kind of just this industry at large, I think they sometimes take for granted just really solid filmmaking, even if it's a fun film. Right. And something being fun automatically makes it less worthy of something. Yeah. And arguably Spielberg is a really fun director. Like, even when his films are about more serious topics he still kind of instills a sense of excitement and wonder in you. Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes, yeah, people just downplay it. Yeah, and he he keeps the audience engaged. Mm -hmm. 
with his shot direction, his the 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 score that from John Williams, the um, emotion on the actors' faces of reacting to something that we haven't seen or we are seeing. Like Spielberg knows how to engage the audience like no other director. Yeah, and it's like. Jurassic Park, oh, I was going to say, like, oh, Jurassic Park deserved to be up for Best Picture, but the year that it won three Oscars, all technical, but the year that it was up for the Oscars, Schindler's List was also up for the Oscars. Really? So Spielberg did win. Just not? He had both Jurassic Park and Schindler's List in the same Oscars. (laughs) Was it Jurassic Park or Jurassic World? I mean, not Jurassic, I mean, The Lost World. No, Jurassic Park. Oh, okay, so the first one. Yeah. Um, That's pretty funny. That is funny. He was, I was up against gonna, himself. I, I was going to say, I think Jurassic Park is uh, worthy of being a Best Picture contender. Mm-hmm. And I think in late, like, I think because it was considered just a blockbuster at the time, that it didn't get the Oscar recognition that it deserves. And then I think that nowadays, like, we, we saw Mad Max get, like, six of the 11 Oscars that you could get. Um, like major Oscar awards that you can get, and I think that if Jurassic, if something, if if Jurassic Park came out now, it would get Oscar um, nominations and possibly awards. But I think back then, people probably just kind of wrote it off as another summer blockbuster. Yeah, I mean that being said, I think this is also something that's changed because I believe Jaws was. Was it up for Best Picture? It was. It was one of those, like... Cause yeah, it was, it like, was up for Best Picture. Because it was, like, the first blockbuster. Yeah, and then E.T. also got a Best Picture nomination. And so I think that we've almost... We, I think that for a time they were considering more of, like, nominating blockbusters. Mm-hmm. And then the 80s happened, and then every summer there was a new blockbuster. And more and more blockbuster movies came out. Raiders of the Lost Ark was also nominated for Best Picture. In 1981. Yeah, and then Close Encounters didn't get a Best Picture nod, but it got a Best Director nod, and a lot of other nods. And so, I think that we're, like, as a, an industry, they're, they've been moving away from nominating those kind of films. And then The Dark and, Knight happened, and now they're kind of bringing them back into the fold a little bit at a time. Yeah, sort of. Well, like, I think Mad Max is a, is a sign that they're gonna, they're taking blockbusters into consideration a little bit more but just i mean not it this year's oscars won't be 10 blockbusters in fact this year was a terrible time for blockbuster movies um but i think they definitely saw like that a movie that could come out in may or june can get an oscar nomination yeah and so i think that they've just I think Spielberg probably deserves more Oscars mm-hmm. than what he's had in his career so far. So, do you have anything else to say about Steven Spielberg, Anya? I love him. I think he's great. Oh, I have a fun story. What's your fun story? Um, I went to the Amblin offices on the Universal lot. Wow. He has a well outside of the offices. Like a well? Like a, like a, like a, like a water well? Yes, like a water well. And if you look down inside, Jaws is in there. Well, <laughs> no, like the like actual the actual shark they used? No. Or like a model? 
like a model. It's I mean it's not big enough to fit Bruce. Right. Um, but you see, like, if you look down and there's, like, a head of a great white shark sticking out of the well. Oh, that's terrifying. It's terrifying because I'm scared of sharks, but also it's terrifying because you don't expect it. Right. You just expect a well. But I remember we were there. It was for, um, it was actually for an alumni event for oh. American University. Oh. At Amblin. And we got there and it was dark and late at night. And I saw this well and I went over to look at it. And I was like, oh, cool, there's a well. Right. Like, whatever. And I looked down and all of a sudden there's a great white shark peering back at me. Was it lit? Could you see? Like, was it, like, in, in the well where there, like, lights on the shark? I forget if there were lights, but, like, I could see the shark. Mm-hmm. It was weird. I was like, okay, Spielberg. That's creepy. <laughs> and we should say creepy. we should say that Spielberg has produced a lot of interesting movies yeah. this time too. He's not like he was an executive producer on the Back to the Future movies. And um, um Robert Zemeckis's uh Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, he and Robert Zemeckis have kinda worked together for a while. Um and then he's he's had some weird executive producing choices. Uh he's he was quote unquote executive producer on the on the Transformer films. Yeah. Um, part of me believes that's his paycheck. <laughs> that he, you know, like a paycheck movie, he was just kind of slap his name onto. Um, and I know he's, he produced uh, the uh, Flags of Our Fathers and Letters uh, from Iwo Jima uh, mm-hmm. combo that Clint Eastwood did. He was an executive producer on that too. He's also um, executive produced a lot of TV shows. Yeah. Um, I think most exciting for me, you were thinking about like other war movies. He also direct or er, um, war things. He also executive produced Band of Brothers in the Pacific, mm-hmm. yeah. which I've never seen the Pacific, but Brand of Brothers is incredible, and I love it so much. And also with Tom Hanks as like a as like a a collaborator on. Um, oh, did he? Yeah, I think Tom Hanks was uh, executive producing that too. Oh, I so didn't they kind of worked together on that. Oh well, what do you know? Yeah. Hey, um, but yeah, so no, he's done uh, produced a lot of works. Um, he's very involved with so many things. Mm-hmm. Um, he's executive produced some of, like, TV shows that you would not expect him to executive produce. It's really weird. Like, he was like, definitely he... not the showrunner, but he was definitely, like, the backer. He was definitely, like, the, the like, the, I'm gonna, we're gonna make this movie, then we're gonna make this TV show something good, so we're gonna put Steven Spielberg's name on it. He executive produced Smash, the musical. That's really interesting. Show. Um, he also executive produced United States of Terra. And weird shows that never really took off the ground, like Falling Skies and Under the Dome. Well, Falling Skies um, had, like, five seasons on TNT. Oh, did it really? Yeah, it's been going. Oh. It, it had, like, it Whoops. had a good amount of run. Whoops. <laughs> but um, the other one, Under the Dome, only had, like, two or three. I feel like I'm always, like, whenever if it's a TNT or TBS show, I'm like, all right. You're kind of, like, a lower tier, but, I mean, they kind of are. Yeah. They're not one of the main networks, and they're not, like, cable, so. Right. They're this weird superstation thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, I mean, Schilberg is involved in so many things, and, mm-hmm. you know, he's clearly passionate about the industry. And, like, he, he, he himself has, uh, like, the name Spielberg has ascended to more than just a director. It's like, oh, so you're going to be the next Spielberg. Like, a lot of folks, when I told them I was going to be a filmmaker, they're like, oh, so you're going to be like Spielberg. It's like yeah. that's that's their go-to director when they yeah. When, so I think that that's him. His legacy is great filmmaking, and I think that we're really lucky to have him. Yes, I feel so glad that I live in a time with Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, okay. I think that's a good note to end on. Of course. So that is our talk about Steven Spielberg. And of course, to end our episode, we're going to talk about what we really, really, really like from the week. I need to tell you something. All right, Willoughby, go for it. Okay. Two things. Um, two movies. Kubo and the Two Strings and Hell or High Water. Oh, I, th- I thought you were debating which one to so see. So I was debating on Friday which one to see. I ended up seeing Hell or High Water on Friday. And then yesterday I, w- I saw Kubo and the Two Strings in 3D. Both are very excellent movies. Hell or High Water is a classic Western set in the modern day. Um, nice. And Kubo and the Two Strings is an amazing feat of animation and a great story about memories and the power that they hold and family and just like uh, like the whole the whole shebang was great. Um the voice direction was was very great. Um Chris Pine and Ben Foster in Hell or High Water give electric performances, Ben Foster especially. Chris Pine gives kind of more of a of a um much more subtle performance, but but it's but he's still like giving it his all. Jeff Bridges is in the, is in the film too. He's great as like an almost retired uh, Texas Ranger. Um, so he, it's just it's it, they're both incredible incredible movies, and I recommend both. Excellent. I really want to. I yeah, I've been hearing good things about both. Like I want to see them both. I really want to see Kubo. Mm-hmm. Kubo especially is the one that I'm... Do you like westerns? I can't remember. I love westerns. Then you'll love Hell or High Water. It's like okay. a classic. It's like it means something. It has something to say. Um, it's also... It's not like... It's not explosion heavy. It's not like... It's not an action piece. I mean, there's action okay. in it, but it's definitely it's definitely about living in like the squalor of, of, of where they live in West Texas and like trying yeah. to get a better life. I am very defensive of the Western genre. I really love it. And, yeah. Cool. Westerns are great. So I'm glad you liked them. Yes, I like both movies. Yay! Alright, so mine this week is it's related to a movie. But specifically, what I really like this week is Elliot and Pete's Dragon. Mm. So I saw Pete's Dragon yesterday, and I really liked it. I liked so many things about it. Um, it had some thin moments in the script, um, but overall it's a really great film. It's just full of wonder and awe, you know, what Disney does best. And every time I see a movie like that, I'm always cemented of why Disney's the best and why I love them the most. But specifically, Elliot, uh, who's the dragon, mm-hmm. not is... Pete. It's not Pete. No. Because Pete's, Pete's dragon. Pete's the kid, and it's yes. Pete's dragon. And His not dragon to be confused with Puff the Magic Dragon. No. <laughs> But Elliot is incredible. He is breathtaking and magnificent and just incredible to watch. It, it makes you appreciate the technology of film and how far it's come. Like, Elliot lives and breathes on that screen, and it is just so beautiful to see. Um, from just like, and it's like everything about it, it's like just like his whole makeup, how he moves. He moves so naturally. His fur looks so real and the texture is beautiful. Um, I really like the sounds that Elliot makes. Like, um, in Disney fashion, he sort of acts like a dog. Right. Which is how all their 
animals act, which is fine by me because I'm a dog person. But like Elliot really acts like a dog and just like the noises that he makes, like how he communi communicates with Pete and like his little groans and sighs and whimpers and he's just so beautiful and I think I could just watch, I could have watched two hours of Elliot just like moving on screen. So was there a motion capture performance or was it purely computer like there was no human behind it? I want to say that it was all CGI. That's pretty great. I don't know for sure but I so it wasn't think like you didn't have like Andy Serkis in the background going like a dragon. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know for sure, but I don't think so. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, he Because then that's gorgeous. an incredible incredible feat if they just had done that with no, like, person or motion capture to, like, yeah. capture the dragon's movements. If they had just done that based purely on, like, creative animated animation, then that's um, amazing. I mean, I want to say... I mean, the thing is, if it wasn't motion capture, which I don't believe it was... It's animation. Yeah. And that's what Disney is best at. Mm -hmm. That's what they're known for. Um, and so, you know, of course they're going to be great at it. Mm -hmm. Because that's what they do. Right. Well, I was just thinking of, like, um, Smog and The Hobbit. They had Benedict Cumberbatch, like, do the performance. So I didn't well, know. Didn't if they... he just do the voice? No, he did the motion capture too. Oh, really? So that's why I thought about maybe there was another guy doing the dragon performance too. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I haven't heard anything about like. Because I feel like we would capture. have. They would have been like the guy behind Pete's dragon. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you. We would have heard more about who it was. Mm -hmm. um, Still, I mean, that's an incredible, incredible feat. Yeah. No, it's Elliot is beautiful in the film and I just want to watch him all the time cool so that's what I really like this week I really like a fluffy green dragon all right that is our episode for the week you guys if you have any thoughts on Steven Spielberg what your favorite movies of his are why you love him if you have any thoughts on Hell or High Water Kubo and the Two Strings or Pete's Dragon and specifically Elliot definitely come talk with us about it and where can they do that willoughby they can find us on facebook uh if you search for us there we're on twitter at falcon podcast our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com you can find us on soundcloud on itunes and google play where you can rate review and subscribe to us there and where can they find you anya you can find me on twitter at anya crittenton you can find me at willoughby dobbs also on twitter all right guys cool Bye. Bye.